Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Rev. Todd Laddick, and today I bring to you part two of a six-part series entitled The Matrix, with today's message specifically entitled, There is No Spoon, based off of Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, and Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. So let's dive into the word today. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Then, from Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38, Then, calling the crowd to join his disciples, Jesus said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Amen. We live life in the fast lane keeping what we believe to be important in front of us. But today we learn to discern what we believe to be valuable from what is ultimately valuable. Last week, we learned that for Neo, the Matrix was a computer software that is uploaded into people's brains so they believe they are living in a real world when in reality they are slaves inside synthetic embryo sacs being used to generate energy for machines run by artificial intelligence. Creepy, right? We also learned last week that for us, the Matrix is the current world order and all of its ways. That we are living... Uh, that we are living our lives according to this world believing that that uh that it is all we are here to do you know god country guns success prosperity nuclear family values the american dream etc when in reality we are just slaves to a system that is going down in the end a system that keeps us from truly knowing and following God. Of course, I'm using we collectively, so unless the shoe fits, don't take it personally. After Neo wakes up to the reality of the Matrix, he is then shown what the world really looks like. A world that has been ravaged by war, by climate change, by technology, a world that is uninhabitable, but underground, navigated by huge ships or vessels. 
Neo being pulled from his faux embryo sac prison cell wakes up aboard such a ship, Morpheus's ship, this one called the Nebuchadnezzar, which should remind us of, uh, remind those of us anyway who have read the Bible, and I quote Chris C. and uh, Greg Garrett in their book, The Gospel Reloaded, of the powerful Babylonian king who oppressed the people of Israel, conquered many nations, and ruled with an iron fist, yet his empire eventually fell while Israel found restoration. It is on this ship that Morpheus and the other hackers operate their mission, their war against the machines, and it is here where Neo will learn not only what that operation is, but who he is in the grand scheme of that operation. Heavy stuff. Before any of that can happen, though, <clears throat> Neo must face the ultimate question that I think any of us have to face. Who am I? For real. Who am I? Really. Who am I really? In order to do so, Morpheus, Morpheus excuse me, takes Neo into the Matrix to see the Oracle, a woman who has a propensity to see into one's soul and guide them to the truth of who they are. She's a mysterious woman who abstractly uh, speaks more than she gives direct answers. When they arrive at the Oracle's place, Neo enters and sees a child is holding a spoon. Suddenly, the spoon starts to bend, like it is made out of a liquid metal. It bends and continues to stay bent, and then it returns back to its normal upright position. The boy then holds up the spoon to Neo. Sitting down, Neo takes the spoon and inspects it curiously. Do not try and bend the spoon, the boy interjected suddenly. That's impossible. Instead, only realize the truth. What is the truth? Neo asked. The boy answered, There is no spoon. There is no spoon? Neo pondered. Then you will see continued the boy, that it is not the spoon that bends, it is only yourself. Well, that's the best accent I could give anyway. <clears throat> but what could that possibly mean? For Neo, that means that though he thinks he sees a spoon, there is really no such thing there. Remember, the Matrix tells him what to see. It is fake. It is an illusion it is not real therefore if he merely accepts the fact that there is no spoon he will see or quote bend himself quote past the illusion for us as christians we do not fall into gnosticism and think that this physical world is illusion no we know it to be real, and we know God created it to be beautiful and good and eternal. 
How do we know this? Well, Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. No, we recognize this world to be real, to be God's creation, even though... We also know that it has fallen into sin and become less than God created it to be. So for us Christians, the illusion is the world order, the state we find the world in now, the world that tells us to worry only for ours and our own, the world that tells us that he tells you that meritocracy is the only way to equality and that people need to do the impossible to pick themselves up by the bootstraps. By the way, try that one day. Pick yourself, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. See if you can do it. We tell people that they need to do the impossible to pick themselves up by the bootstraps in order to be of any worth or value. In our scripture readings today, we come across two rather obscure illustrations of the kingdom of heaven. And one rather frightening image of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. One that involves a cold, stark look at reality, sacrifice, and the willingness to give up all even life in this world. Both are challenging passages in their own right, and both beg us to dive deeper for a clearer understanding. In our first passage, Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, uh, I'll read that again. Uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered in a hidden field. I mean, good news. Woohoo, right? Now, if that were you, what would you do? If you're like me, you'd take said treasure and claim it to be yours. But that is not what this particular man did. No. Now, this man decides to bury the treasure back into the field he found it in. And if that isn't crazy enough, he then sells off everything he owns. I'm hoping at least he didn't sell the clothes he was wearing. And then purchases the field so that he can own the treasure. That sounds nuts, right? Like, why not just take the treasure and to heck with the field? Ah, but the key word is own. If he followed the worldly way, finders, keepers, losers, weepers, so to speak, he would be nothing more than a thief who stole something he never owned. But knowing how precious, precious this treasure is, he 
buries the treasure back in the field, sells everything he has, and purchases the field. Now when he quote-unquote finds the treasure, it will be his. He will own it because he found it on his own property. You see, the parable is not just talking about owning the treasure, treasure, but more than that, it is talking about the value of the treasure and how all other pursuits besides pursuing the treasure seems meaningless, frivolous, trivial. In terms of the matrix, once this man recognized the value of the treasure, he realized there is no spoon when it comes to the rest of the world. Nothing else truly existed but that treasure. Again, Jesus continues his illustration of the kingdom of heaven. It's like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything and he owned and bought it. Again, why would anyone sell everything for a valuable pearl? Sure. Pearls are rare and expensive, obviously. But for a merchant to sell everything for a single pearl? Makes no sense. Why do that? Just like the man who found the hidden treasure, this man becomes obsessed with the pearl to the point where nothing else but the pearl existed. Outside of the pearl, there is no spoon. Nothing else is real. Nothing else matters. <clears throat> Jesus is telling us something here. That the world we cling to, the ideals we hold, the things we idolize, they're not real. There is no spoon. And in a somewhat Buddhist turn, though still Christian as well, the things you cling to cause you more pain and suffering and needless hurt. They keep you imprisoned, enslaved to the world order, the matrix. So how then do we discover the kingdom of heaven? Simple. We read the gospels and study them. We worship, we fellowship, we serve. We, as Wesley put it, attend to the ordinances of God. But how is this possible to do if we're already enslaved, if we're blinded by the matrix, by this current world order, Jesus has an answer for that too. In John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, he says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's house. If this were not so, would I have told you what I'm going to prepare, that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. 
Jesus is the treasure, my friend. And once you recognize, my friends, and once you recognize the value of that treasure, I mean, seriously, once you recognize the value of that treasure, um, you can't help but, but change. You can't help but uh, realize that the treasure literally saved your soul. And then you will realize that outside of Jesus, outside of that treasure, outside of Jesus, there is no spoon. Jesus is what is ultimately real. Jesus is whom we should follow. Our identity is in Jesus, not the world. As a Christian, let me ask you a question that John Wesley used to ask. How goes it with your soul? Have you discovered Jesus as both the way to and the treasure? Has Jesus been the front and center in your life, your ultimate reality? Now, granted, none of us are perfect and none of us get it right all the time. But what are you going to do to draw yourself closer and closer to Jesus? Remember, there is no spoon. This world order and all it offers is a lie. It sells us what we want to hear so that we can spend all of our money and energy and lives being cogs in that numbered wheel. And yes, the days of that wheel are numbered. As a congregation, what can we do to embrace and teach the fact that there is no spoon? That the world order is not truly order, but chaos. That the only true order, the only true reality is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Remember, right here and right now, we are kingdom preparers. We are preparing the way to the kingdom by following and proclaiming Christ and Christ risen from the dead. And we need not only do that in words, but through living out our faith in the community through presence and mission. As opportunities arise, and they will, I pray you will choose Jesus over the spoon. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I just thank you and praise you for this opportunity to uh, just be here today and to be challenged by this message and inspired by it. Help us to be a people who recognize that there is no spoon outside of Jesus, that the only thing that is real is Jesus. And if reality around us is bending, it's not because reality is bending, it's because we are bending to see reality. And so, Lord, help us to see you as our ultimate reality. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, again, I want to thank you. And you know, uh, just I'm just always excited to have uh, you guys tune in, and uh, and uh, hopefully you get as much out of these messages as I do, you know, putting into them. Um, but uh, 
Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you tune in. Uh, please check out the episode notes if this is your main spiritual sustenance and you have it in you to uh, give. Uh, there are links there to help you out with that. That would help us out greatly. If this is just supplemental, then by all means, give to your, your community. And if you have it in you to give to both, God bless you. We both could use it. On all things, remember, you are richly blessed. So be a blessing to others. Amen. Go in peace.